everyone. Welcome to the Performance Collective Podcast. This is Dr. Jared Sinclair. This podcast is for high-impact leaders and those who want to improve their performance and achieve enduring results. In each episode, we explore the actions and best practices that successful leaders use to expand capacity, drive performance, and lead change. Whether you're a CEO, a manager, or entrepreneur, you're going to find the practical advice, insights, and inspiration to help you expand your individual and team capacity for higher performance. Subscribe now and join us as we start the transformation that will help you elevate individual and team performance to that next level. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Performance Collective Podcast. My name is Dr. Jared Sinclair. Our guest today is JP Lisdorf. JP is the founder of Lisdorf International Consulting. JP, welcome. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. Of course. So JP, tell us a little bit about what you do over there at Lisdorf International Consulting, what your role is and, and kind of the, the areas that you serve. Yeah. So what we do is a fractional CFO services and accounting and bookkeeping. And I have a, a wide range of uh, clients, mainly focused on uh, Amazon FBA businesses. And what we do is really all of the accounting work that's done, helping them be profitable, looking at what is it I can do to just increase that little here or there to get a, a better business and better outcome. Excellent. So for our listeners that might not be familiar with the, the accounting or the, or the um, you know, the financial industry, what is a fractional CFO? See, that, that's a great question because what happens is uh, a lot of businesses grow and this is where the space that my clients are in, like you, you grow, I mean, a million dollars, two million dollars. I mean, that's kind of a lot of money like to, to you and me probably. But when you're running a business, it's, it's considered small. Even mm -hmm. 20, 30, 50 million dollars is, is small uh, annual revenue. And what happens as you grow along the way is that you like now you need a little bit of CFO services. You need a little bit of somebody who can talk to the banks, negotiate uh, your loans and try to get like the best possible capital structure for your business you need somebody who has like more of a strategic output where if you're below 1 million you basically just usually just need a bookkeeper who can kind of just log the expenses stuff like that when you grow more this is where i come in and because i like to do the the cfo services and i have a team that helps me doing the accounting and what this allows me is that i i have clients that can scale from two to five million until 50 to 70 million when they get above 50 to 100 million we usually transition them off so that they can get a full-time cfo because that's where the need is full-time but until then you're perfectly fine with someone like me and you know i have a lot of friends who do the same and they can really help the business because what happens is you do need those services that have more of a strategic output whereas like even if you have a senior accountant they mm -hmm. It might be good and I am I'm not because again it's it's really about foundations. It's kind of bookkeeping and accounting. That's the foundation for a business. But just like any house you're building, like if you have a strong foundation, that's fine. But it's only a foundation. If you want to really grow, you also need the strategic view and the strategic strategic input. And again, as I say, when businesses are at that point where they're growing now, you're growing 15 million, you're thinking, hey, I need a CFO. Okay, mm -hmm. but 220 to 250,000 plus bonuses each year, which mm -hmm. is a pretty big sum because you're still going to have your accounting team. So that, that's where having a fractional CFO really helps because it, it, uh, it, it's scalable. Okay. So you, you come in and kind of fill that gap while the business is scaling to fill that, 
that uh, that CFO role or that account role, that bookkeeping role, until the business has scaled to the point where they need a full time CFO. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, and and then other times I come in when there's something that the previous CFO messed up, and then the, the there was like a complete mess in the accounting department. I come in and clean up and help them turn it around. That's also mm-hmm. very interesting. Always. Is there a specific industry that you target for your services? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm really specific about uh, Amazon uh, FBA businesses because that's where I have my background and, and this is what I've seen a lot of. Uh, so, but also I'm, I'm pretty agnostic because I have other clients. I have uh, uh, companies that are in construction. I have a, an investment fund and like I'm really, really agnostic and that's been really, really great to work with them. Yeah. So do you have a team that helps you out with these things? Do you tell so, me a so little that, bit about your team? Yeah. So I have a team that uh, is based out of the Philippines and uh, I've with more, many of my clients, this is something that when I started doing it uh, two years ago, it was fairly new. I, I wasn't the first to do it, but I was, I was pretty quick. Now I see everybody I'm working with all my clients, they already have teams in the Philippines. And I will mm. say, my team has been a blessing to me. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the great people I have there, like Jennifer and Patrick. Like they, I owe them everything because they're really, really smart. At the same time, I will say when you're dealing with teams in the Philippines, it's really hit and miss. Like you can be lucky and hit a home run the way I did, or mm-hmm. you can have people who are really not engaged. And because everything is remote, it's it's very easy for people to hide these days, and and that that is unfortunately something I see with with some clients that have teams in the Philippines. Yeah. So how did you how did you get to this point? How did you get? You know, you mentioned previously that when you came here, and then specifically when you came to California, like yeah. give us a little bit, if you don't mind, about your past. Like, what was your path to where you're at right now? Yeah. No, but it's 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 really it was funny because I was just talking about it yesterday with a childhood friend, uh, and and he said he is completely amazed at what I've accomplished here. And I, I I don't know. I mean, to me, I just I take one day at a time. It's it's funny. I'm I'm from Denmark, and the funny thing is, and this was also where I was, I was really humbled to be on your podcast because. I you like when I was young, I really didn't care too much. I I kind of I liked writing. I wanted to be a journalist. I was just you know going with the flows, and I had some cool experiences traveling all over the world, like living in expensive hotels. But it it didn't move the needle. And it wasn't until I turned thirty that I really started like, hey, I need to do something specifically. So I think you know one of the the biggest thing that's happened to me is that I kind of felt I was behind, so I needed to catch up. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a, a really, really horrible year in uh, 2009 because, uh, first of all, my, my mom passed away. Second, I, um, the mother of my firstborn daughter got pregnant. However, mm-hmm. we were not an item. And that was a little difficult to negotiate. So basically, as around New Year's, like 2009, my mom is dead. Uh, I, I'm about to be a father with somebody I'm not related with. I'm unemployed. It was like the worst possible thing that could have happened. But yeah. at the same time, it was the best thing that could happen to me. It was a blessing for me because now it was like the fun years, like being young and doing whatever you feel like is over. Now we got to get busy. Now we got to get serious. Mm-hmm. And 
luckily for me, uh, later that year, I ended up meeting my wife, the, the love of my life. And like, she's the reason for everything I did. And I was already on a trajectory of working really, really hard. I went to a Tony Robbins event. I met my wife there. Mm -hmm. And so we did the whole uh, long distance relationship in, in 2011. And then in 2012, I came to New York. And this was really good because as I started to get momentum, I was uh, studying business administration. I was working in a startup company in Denmark. Then I came to New York and it's all of a sudden I was back to zero again because mm -hmm. you go to a different country. You have no experience. You have no network. And I, I hustled. I did whatever I could. I was working at nightclubs, doing coat check. I worked at uh, Wells Fargo. I, I, the only job I could get was being in a bank. Uh, and I, I must admit, I love Wells Fargo. I think it's a great company. I was very, very blessed to work there. However, it was not exactly what I was looking for. But it right. was great for me because I've always been like a little introvert. And I loved sitting in my little office working on my Excel spreadsheet. Uh -huh. But being a banker <laughs> and just being able to say, hey, welcome to Wells Fargo. How are you doing today? How can I help you, sir? Like, and being able to do that and get out of my shelf was the best thing that ever happened to my life. Mm -hmm. While I was in New York, I started studying the CFA because I wanted to be a financial analyst. But along the way, and you know, that's half of the books that are back here. Uh, Those are all your books for the yeah, CFA? So, what is a CFA, JP? If you could just so tell us. The CFA is the Charter Financial Analyst designation. And it's one of the most difficult things that I've come across in my life. And it is the same for many others. The thing about it is that there's so much knowledge you have to uh, grasp and there's one exam each year. So you have six hours to go through everything. And if you fail, then, OK, well, there's always next year. So wow. and so I failed them a couple of times, but I did manage to pass level one and level two. Mm -hmm. When it came to level three, I realized that financial analysis was not really what I wanted to do. And this is the thing, because. When you're a financial analyst, you're basically you're you're breaking down companies to seeing where they're profitable, what is their trajectory, where are they going to go. Mm -hmm. But what I realized was that when you're doing that, and as a job as a portfolio manager, you're really just saying, "Oh, I'm gonna bet based on my analysis that these people are gonna do better than these people." Okay, so I'm gonna mm -hmm. put my money there. I didn't like that because from my background working in the startup back in Denmark, I really like the fact that hey we're wasting money here. Like you can look into it and then you can go and talk to somebody. It's like, Hey, why are you not better with purchasing or, or what can we do to make this better or more efficient? So mm -hmm. you have an impact there. So that's why I, I moved away from the analysis part into being the more uh, active part as the CFO. Okay. And then, so, sorry. Go ahead. And then that was when I came out here to San Diego where I, I met uh, a man called Jan Brandop, who happens to also be from Denmark. It's funny because I never knew him in Denmark, but uh -huh. I met him out here in San Diego. Nice. And I worked for that company, Hypericon. It was an amazing ride. Like I said, it was literally, we were on 4,000 square feet when I joined. And at the peak, we had 200,000 uh, 200, square feet of a, a warehouse. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. So the, yeah. the whole the whole difference between um, the CFO or the CFA and where yeah. you really wanted to go was more from a diagnostic and path forward yeah. perspective rather than just simply reporting facts. Yes, exactly. And, and, and that, that's the whole point. The, the CFA, this is more about uh, uh, analysis and stuff like that, but you can't impact it. And that's where I, I kind of had the sense I wanted to be a part of it. And that's mm -hmm. where 
I mean, obviously, if you're in a huge hedge fund and you have billions of dollars, you can get people on the board and you can impact it. But I mean, that's uh, away from most of us. Yeah. So what's one thing about the work that you do within the organizations that you currently work for that that might go unnoticed that you want people to to recognize or people should recognize about the work that you do? It's it's funny because the, the challenge is always with accounting. A lot of people think that accounting is just, okay, here's an invoice, you apply a payment, you know, here's some expenses that need to be. But what we really do is that we we put the facts together in a way that it makes sense. And I think the best analogy is uh, my friend, John Garrett, he also has a podcast and, you know, he, he used to be a comedian and he, he's kind of said it the way that, like he liked stand-up comedy, the way that you can have, like you can go to a show for a, a stand-up comedian. He says something that you've always seen. Oh, okay, well, people pick up their trays like that or they walk like that. But the way he says it, you're like, oh, yeah, that is so funny. Yeah, I've, <laughs> thought about it. I've seen that a million times, but uh-huh. I've never thought about it. And, and that's the way I see the way, work that I do. I mean, I don't make as many jokes as a comedian, but the point is, when I present the financials, it's supposed to be an ah, aha moment where like, hey, this is what we need to do. It should be something that inspires action. And that's uh-huh. something that it can get a little lost because at the end of the day, it is just accounting, which is based on bookkeeping, which can be deduced to something very fundamental. But again, mm-hmm. as I say, a stand-up comedian, like he's also just telling stories about stuff that he's seeing. And right. it, it can be a little difficult because like I say, I mean, I can also get up on stage and tell jokes. I'm not going to be as funny as Dave Chappelle or <laughs> Seinfeld or something like that, but I can tell jokes. And then right. it's the same thing with the work I do. I mean, I'm very good and impactful at advising the companies I've been, but at the same, like there are other people who do the same. It's really, really difficult until you get inside the organization and you can show the changes you've made. Yeah. So in those organizations that you work with, like those change, those, those changes that you're trying to accomplish, what type of people are you working with in that organization? At what level, maybe what discipline? Who do you partner with in these companies? I, I always partner with the CEO. I, I'm, I'm the right hand to the CEO, either just to get him to understand his numbers and his business, or it's just to kind of uh, advance like uh, the organization. And, and part of it is, is upward facing to the CEO, but in some part of it is downward facing if they have an internal accounting team. Also, like I say, I have other clients where we're the entire accounting team. There are, there are benefits to both. I, I really like uh, the coaching of the team, but it's also very nice when I have clients where I have the whole accounting and bookkeeping inside because my team, they're such a blessing. They've worked with me for years. They know exactly what I want. So it's its really just, I just need to give them very, very few pointers and I, I let them work by themselves. Yeah. So with all this going on, all this, you know, working, working hand in hand at these high levels, dealing with lots of money, dealing with an international team, um, you know, a bunch of clients, how do you take care of JP? How do you make sure that you can show up yeah, on a daily basis and perform? It's funny you should say that because uh, I, I I heard your podcast with, uh, now I'm blanking out on his name, the hockey player. Lance Pitlick. Lance Pitlick, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and he said, you know, he cut out on sleep. And I'm like, no, no, Lance, that's the worst thing you can do because I, I swear by sleep. Like I, and I, many books I've read about it, also about the benefits of sleep. I, mm-hmm. I really, really, I make sure to get my seven to eight hours uh, each night because if I don't do it, I know I'm not efficient. I mean, yeah. 
that's the one thing. On the other hand, sometimes there are just there are just challenges, and you need to power through. I mean, last week I was up until two a.m. because I needed to finish something. So mm -hmm. that's that's the one thing. Sleep is the one thing. Then I have another uh, relatively new thing. I I do uh, twenty minutes of running each morning at six a.m. Oh, and nice. it's yeah, it's 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 a little thing. It's uh, it's enough that I feel that hey, at least I move my body. But it's not so much that I'm like, oh, I don't have time for it. Because, I mean, right. if you, you have, you have, everybody has 20 minutes. I mean, even you know, I have three young kids. Uh, like, the youngest one is seven months. And the, the twins are a little, like, two and a half years old. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, I can find time to that. Because it just, I make it a priority. And my wife is, again, the love of my life. And she's so supportive. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for her. Yeah. So that doing that, taking that time gives you, yeah. you know, making sure you get the sleep, making sure you get the workout in gives you that balance. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you prioritize your day? Are you like, a, are you a calendar guy? Are you a, a, a to-do list guy or do you just kind of go after it? No, I have this great hack that uh, actually one of my clients gave me. It's like every morning in, in my journal here, I, I write uh, three things I'm grateful for. Basically my day starts with, I'm, I'm here in my office. I write mm -hmm. three things I'm grateful for, and then I write down five power items. Uh, and then I hope to reach them all. doesn't always work, but at, at least if I get three of them, I know it's it's a decent success uh, for the day. And how does that help you? How does the three great grateful things and five power items help you? It The three things to be grateful for is just it really like on your day-to-day -day business, and especially for me, I get too tied up in all the things that aren't working. And and that was, again, going back to, I was, I was surprised to be invited here because I don't think I'm, I'm a big success. I, I don't think I'm a high performer. I think there are people who perform much better than me, but that's because I keep looking at the things I'm not doing well. And that that's kind of the thing because when you keep having that focus on the things that aren't working and which you have to do to get somewhere in, in life, uh, mm -hmm. you have to kind of continually uh, scrutinize yourself. But having that little sanctuary in the morning where I have like just, you know, the two or three minutes it takes me to come up with three things I'm really grateful for makes me appreciated and makes me acknowledge how blessed I am to be here. I am, and not just in, in Southern California and, and not just married to my wife, but also having the business and having the clients I work with. It's, it's such a blessing. And, and I really, really acknowledge that every single day by doing those things. Yeah, I love that perspective where like sometimes we tell ourselves we have this inner voice that says, oh, you're not important or you're not a high performer. Well, mm -hmm. you know, the decisions that I make for my guests, JP, I only bring on high for performers and I only speak from a position of truth. So consequently, you're a high performer. It's just well, the way it works. It's my show. So I got to say it, right? Thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. I am impressed um, by your path, you know, coming over, uh, you know, immigrating over, spending some time in New York, working so hard with all those books behind you. I mean, that's incredible. I don't know how many people would have the tenacity or the motivation or the drive to just continually go after that test and that exam and then have the intestinal fortitude to pivot when you realize this isn't necessarily for me. Let me pivot to what is going to get me going. Exactly, yeah. Well, well thank you. I mean, I, I honestly, and this is, I, I think – my biggest fortitude is the failures I've had in my life. Honestly, mm -hmm. the thing, like, and it's, you know, you always want to point, oh, I did this, which was so amazing and stuff like that. But honestly, the things I did in my life that, that failed where I realized, hey, you know, maybe this is not for me. And honestly, I mean, like I said, I failed the CFA exam 
two or, or three times. I, I don't know how many, but it, I mean, I kept on going because I wanted it until I, I got to a point where I was like, hey, uh, maybe maybe I should just accept that this is not for me. And also because like the passion wasn't there anymore. But I really will say like coming here and, and not being a success uh, right away, that was just what made me work harder. And again, mm. and this is another thing, you know, it was difficult for me to make it because my wife, was in the US. So I, I had to kind of leave my daughter back in Denmark when, mm -hmm. when she was very young. And and I had a friend who said, hey, if you want to maybe move to the US, better do it sooner than wait till later. Mm -hmm. and, and, okay, and then I, but then I also put the pressure on myself. Hey, I can't just go to the US and be average because my daughter is going to grow up and say, hey, if you just wanted to be average, like, why couldn't you stay here? So mm -hmm. honestly, I think, you know, that was like a huge inspiration for me. Like, I don't want to let my daughter down. I mean, I have an amazing relationship with her uh, today mm -hmm. and with the mother and, and everything like we're, we're cool. But like to me, that was just one of those things where like, like there are two women in my life I don't want to let down. And those are my wife and my daughter. And that that's kind of what really pushes me. And, and every time I felt, oh, I'm working too hard and stuff like that. I always like, well, I can't let them down. And that's actually another thing I was, I was thinking about. I, I I, I never say, hey, I work so hard. I mean, there's a lot of people like you that you jump on calls with them. It's like, oh, man, I've been I'm sorry I didn't get back to you. I was working so hard and stuff like that. I was like, oh, man, I'm so tired. I, was I never say that. And mm -hmm. it's really just more of, of a mental hygiene thing. I always say, hey, now when people are like talking, to me, hey, how are you doing? Are you? And I'm really, really stressed out. I always say, hey. I'm super blessed that there are people who are willing to pay me money to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Going back to 2009, nobody wanted to pay me to do anything. And I'm so yeah. blessed that I was such a failure back then. And like I said, I mean, there was, I even applied for a job part-time at a gas station. I couldn't even get that. That's how mm -hmm. bad it was for me. And that's how grateful I am to where I am today. And also, that's why I'm working so hard to make sure I never, ever go back to anything that was similar like that. Yeah, that's a fantastic mindset, JP. There's just that that positivity. You know, you build it in from the beginning of your day with those three points, and you could tell that it's carried through in the way that you conduct business. So, yeah. what an inspiration, man! Um, Thank you very much. I'm yeah, I've got I've got one more closing, actually two more closing questions. But if you were to go back mm -hmm. and, and tell you know young JP or somebody who's kind of in a similar position what they could do to become successful, to become mm -hmm. a high performer. Yeah. In the space that you're in, what would you tell that person? I would tell him, uh, don't underestimate the benefit of hard work. Sometimes you're working and you don't see the point, but like there is, there is a quality to just working hard like something and that was kind of like like what i what i really really failed at when i was young was like because i was doing the journalism i was doing pretty good you know i could pay i could pay my rent i could party i probably but i wasn't really getting anywhere because i didn't see the benefit of working that extra mile sometimes you have to work that extra mile like you know when i started studying the business administration it was like i didn't know if there was a job for me but i just knew you have to do something the same with the cfa I had no knowledge if there was going to pan out or anything like that. Today, I'm really, really grateful I did it. It didn't even lead to anything because I didn't get a CFA job. But mm -hmm. hard work I put in there gave me some skills that I was able to apply elsewhere. And again, 
the Wells Fargo, like I said, it wasn't my dream job. But one of the things that made me really successful today is that unlike other people who work in accounting, I'm, I'm become really, really extrovert. I can talk to anybody and I, I can strike up a conversation. So mm-hmm. that was because I worked at something that I didn't really see a goal to it, but I just worked hard because working hard is what gets you to success. I think that that's something that I would say to my younger self. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Okay. JP, I've got to ask you what podcasts or books are you listening to right now or reading? Right now, when it comes to podcasts, there's this awesome podcast. uh, I mean, apart from yours, of course, uh, but there's another awesome podcast called The Operators. Is this guy called Sean Frank, who uh, is the CEO of Rich. Him and some friends, they are entrepreneurs who build nine-figure businesses, and they talk. It's really, really fascinating. I've I've dug into that uh, every episode. And then I listen to a lot of sports, but that's uh, uh, besides the point. When it comes to books, uh, I I kind of like to read a lot of books simultaneously because it it sometimes in the mood for something and sometimes I'm in the mood for other things. So I'm actually reading four books right now. Uh, this one, Bad Blood, is uh, is about Theranos and what went wrong there. Uh, interesting stuff. And then I'm reading a, a little philosophy, uh, Letters from a Stoic by Seneca. That's uh, interesting. I mean, I that one has been on for a long while because I read like one letter and then I let it sink in. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm reading this uh, book about Mickey Dora, a legendary California surfer. A friend of mine recommended it because I didn't know anything about surfing on this guy. Uh, I recently picked up surfing, so I, I think this is very interesting. Very, very different from me. It's it's so different from me, and I, I really appreciate learning about that. And finally, this uh, book uh, called uh, Finance Business Partner and, and how to create value as a finance business partner. Like that, that's a really, really, this is the Bible for me. So, so I read it and I reread it because that is, this is the thing about taking the accounting and not just be an accountant, but mm-hmm. be finance business partner. It's it's an amazing book. Uh, actually, the guy, Anas, who uh, wrote it, he's, he's also from Denmark and I've, I've gotten to be learn yeah, friends with him i think that's a strong word but mm-hmm. acquainted with him nice so i love that i love the concept of being the fun, the business partner rather than just an accountant right just exactly. that's yeah. and that's and that's why i said this this mm-hmm. is the bible for me a finance mm-hmm. business partner yeah all right last question jp where can people get in contact with you well uh i have a website uh, listdorfandco.com and uh, I'm right there to answer anything. Also, I'm uh, obviously on LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn a lot to connect with people. Uh, Twitter, of course, but uh, those are like my preferred. But yeah, that's where people can get in touch with me. Excellent. We'll make sure we get your contact info put in the show notes. And awesome. um, there's a QR code on the screen that will link you directly to Lisdorf International Consulting. So, yeah. awesome. JP, I sincerely appreciate your time today. I'm impressed by what you've done here and I'm impressed what you do for your clients. So thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your positivity, your drive uh, and your, your level of performance. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to our show now and join us as we continue to discuss topics that will help you and your teams expand capacity, drive performance, and lead change. Check out our show on YouTube at Performance Collective. To learn more about business performance improvement solutions for the private, public, government, and nonprofit sectors, head on over to SinclairPerformance.com. You can connect with us there.